0: Welcome to the 3 D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, Uh, joining you as usual. Regular co-host Justin Lewis uh, with his uh, um, uh, job responsibilities during the summer. He will be back with us soon, but I wanted to bring back a familiar face, Mr. Mark King. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Not not a problem. Of course, as as most of y'all know, this podcast itself is the creation of Mark, but Mark now is obviously the Locked On Grizzlies host, and Mark, I want to give you a little the floor. I want to give you a shout out. Congratulations! It seems like that things are certainly expanding over at Locked On Grizzlies. You've got your own Patreon page now, and it seems like you're gonna, you know, be releasing some content, bonus episodes, things such as that. Just a little bit more detail about that. Uh, how excited are you? And how are things getting started up?
1: Yeah, things are things are expanding and going well though for for the show. I mean, it's going to be uh you know obviously i left i left grizzly bear blues not that long ago um but you know we had to have a place where I, I write it and stuff like that so uh the patreon page was a was a pretty good avenue for having uh written content like you mentioned we have some bonus episodes every week uh different guests and we'll have uh we we'll have a slack chat and we'll have some giveaways all kinds of stuff it's only three bucks a month so uh you can go over to patreon.com slash lockdown grizzlies and also over there, there's a couple of articles up and uh, bonus, episode, bonus episodes up already. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be good. We're going to be having a, a great upcoming year. It's going to be fun.
0: Folks, I will tell you this. Mark is the one who who, who allowed for me to get my opportunity into covering the Grizzlies, one probably the closest friend I have when it comes to Grizzlies fandom, and just one of the best guys out there when it comes to Grizzlies coverage. So please, if you want content and frequent content at that and quality content, definitely follow Mark. You could follow uh, at LockedOnGrizz on on Twitter and also um, Mark himself at King underscore producer. But you listen to Mark every day. He'll give you all the content that you need on what's going on with him. Let's get some perspective from him. On the current Grizzly happenings, obviously, Mark, um, you know we saw a lot of action during free agency, but now we've gotten into one of the surprising moves so far of the offseason, and that was the um, um, happenings with the Lone ride. Obviously, him going to the Dallas Mavericks for three years and twenty nine million. The Grizzlies getting two second round picks in the sign and trade, and now we've signed Tyus Jones to three years, twenty eight million. Mark, you have followed the Grizzlies, you know, you've been in you have followed the Grizzlies closely uh, more than a lot of the casual fans have over the past several years. It seems like the Grizzlies have had, you know, Tyus Jones on their radar even back when they, you know, he was in the draft. Why did the Grizzlies seem to focus so much on Tyus Jones instead of DeLon Wright um in, in their pursuit of a backup point guard?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to to note that that's the what direction they went. I mean, like that- you know, Tyus Jones and Delon Wright are not the same player. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time. You see a lot of people talk about, you know, social media and things like that. If they they just basically replaced one person with another, and that's just not the case. They're not the same player at all. Uh, Delon Wright is a uh, is a guy who can guard the three different positions in the NBA. He's a bigger guy. He, he's he's a defensive. He's a, he's a good defensive player. Can get to the get to the rim, pass the ball. Um, Tyus Jones is just you know he's not a bad player. He's just different. You know he's. He's a game manager. He is a guy that's not going to turn the ball over at all, as you see, with his assistant turnover ratio, something that is uh, widely distributed. Um, But, you know, it seems like they they are just on a path to where they need a solid backup point guard for whenever John Morant's going to have bad stretches. I mean, John Morant's going to have bad stretches in the NBA, a a rookie point guard, and those things happen. So uh, point guards naturally are the toughest position to probably – uh, get you know really you know become really good at it really quickly and so it seems like they, they really needed someone that was going to come in and, and kind of settle the game down and really just manage the game for them especially when the the like I said, mentioned the stretches with job rent's bad or you know there's there's so that's going to happen so you know obviously he's younger I don't, I don't know what that has to really do with the debate uh you know he, he's younger i guess it's it's, it's fine um, but Tyus Jones is not a guy who's gonna come in and, and score the basketball, you know He's not an offensive guy at all. He's a really good defender. He's a defensive player He's a high IQ player. He's a smart player So he is a guy that is gonna come in and, and manage the game effectively And not turn the ball over and not create situations that are going to become troublesome for for your team And so it seems like they valued that over what DeLon Wright can could bring Um And let's be very clear DeLon Wright's a better player than Tyus Jones but um, they decided that DeLon Wright, or excuse me, they decided that Tyus Jones the two-second round, two round picks was the better avenue for them, and, and that's fine. It'll be interesting to see what they do either in the short term and long term to fill that void of playmaker uh, off the wing. Uh, that secondary guard playmaker is something they're going to have to have long term. Now, they don't have to fill that position right, right away, but that's what DeLon was. They don't have to fill that right away. They can fill that now or next year, but it will be interesting to see how they fill that.
0: And I think you are correct. I, I, I when when you look at some of the numbers between Tyus Jones and DeLon Wright, you know it's pretty clear um, that DeLon Wright is is a better defender. Um, he he is probably going to fill the stat sheet a little bit more because he can rebound, and you're right that he can be um, – he can guard multiple positions. Um, I think that you hit the nail on the head, though. It seems like maybe the Grizzlies were looking at Tyus Jones versus Delone Wright. Delone Wright may have a little bit more variance with his game. You know, while he does make great plays, there may be times where he disappears, whereas with Tyus Jones, it's just steady production that's not going to wow you, but it's going to be consistent. Obviously, you hit the nail on the head. Peter Edmondson hit the nail on the head. Talking about his efficiency, his assist-to-turnover ratio, with John Morant being picked and now with Tyus Jones, they're investing $8 million a year into him. It seems like the Grizzlies are putting a big focus on facilitation. What do you read into that, uh, Mark, and do you think it's the right route to go uh, between Grant and Jones? Not so much the scoring threats, but the passing and facilitation that really stand out for these two guards.
1: Well, you know, you're not gonna be able to play Ja Morant and Tyus Jones together. I mean, Tyus Jones is a small dude. They're, they're both small dudes, the six-one guys. I mean, they're you can't play those guys together in this league, not with the guards, the two guards, most of the two guards being six-three, six-four, sometimes bigger. I mean, look at Ben Simmons, he's huge, and he's a point guard. You have, you know, LeBron James is a point guard this year, so you're not gonna be able to play them together. Um, and people, as many people, were concerned about John Morant's offensive ability again. Ty Jones is not an offensive player. He's not going to come in and, and you're not going to look to him to be, to score the basketball. So, you know, it does, you know, the the situation where you try to play through that, you know, that's why I said they're going to have to have, excuse me, they're going to have to find a secondary guard that could come in and score the basketball, whether that's Dylan Brooks, whether that's a different player um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do something. So them being able to play John Moret and Ty Jones aren't together, isn't going to work. But, like you mentioned, being able to get the ball to certain players and get the ball to Jaron Jackson, Jr., who is the best player on the court, uh, get the ball to someone like Brandon Clark in the second unit. Brandon Clark's not going to be playing in the first unit at all. Um, So those are the type of uh, things you're going to be looking for for Tyus Jones and and John Morant. John Morant, obviously, with playing in the first unit with uh, with Jaron Jackson, Tyus playing in the second unit with Brandon Clark, and, it, and we've seen in the Southern League already that Taylor Niggins wants to play fast, wants to have an up-tempo offense. So, yes, Tyus Jones, is, and again, that's back to the earlier point. They clearly valued that, that offensive, uh, being able to get the ball in the right spots and take care of it. They valued that over at the lawn, and that's fine. You, you know, like I said, I, it, it doesn't matter um, to them. They clearly have a plan, and that's fine. Uh, whether you think the line right is better or, or whatever, however you slice it, it it's it's fine if they, that's what they value. And it's just a different route. It's not it's not wrong. It's just different. Um, but, yeah, they clearly, you know, the offensive being able to pass the ball, being able to get it ball in the right spots, um, That's something that's going to be great for the team long term. But like I said, they're, they're going to have to find out something in that secondary wing playmaker that, you know, they have a need for a wing shooter for a long time. Uh, again, whether that's Dylan Brooks, um, you know, something, you know, something's going to have to happen with that. again, this year, next year. And then you, may, you may see Kyle Anderson. They, they may not feel the, the void at all for a secondary playmaker. Maybe Kyle Anderson handles, handles the ball. You know, that, that was an option before Tyson. I don't think it's much of an option now. So I don't really know where Kyle Anderson fits in his team anymore, but maybe, you know, him getting to the rim is, is an option. So that, that's something I'll have to look at, you know, short term and long term.
0: Are you so? And that's the thing, you know, with the addition of Melton, with the addition or the Anthony Melton, with the addition of um, uh, Tyus Jones, you know, the Grizzlies with all their additions this year, it really seems like they're focusing on potential and assets, which is great. They've done an excellent job accumulating accumulating that. But are you surprised by the fact that the Grizzlies, you know, they really have have not put a preference or, or really any type. of, of priority on shooting. As a matter of fact, two of our better shooters, CJ Miles, Avery Bradley, we use both of them to be able to free up more cap space. I know we really don't need shooting right now as we're as we are rebuilding, but are you surprised the Grizzlies have not put more emphasis on trying trying to bring in, you know, a young shooting prospect at the very least?
1: No, I'm not surprised, but it you know, but Grayson Allen is supposed to be that prospect. You know, Grayson Allen is supposed to he, he's supposed to be that project uh who who could potentially be a good shooter, uh, be a good two guard, uh, but but the other side of him, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, they clearly have seen their mo. This this offseason have been acquiring assets through uh, being able to facilitate trades or moving their their um, their own people, their own players for for different assets. So um, they clearly are in asset gathering. They are they're restocking the cupboard, if you will, from the previous front office. And do a great job of it so no i'm not surprised but also it doesn't matter you know they're going to be bad this year in one shooter going out and getting a knockdown shooter if you kept, like if you kept kyle Corver, like that doesn't matter like kyle Corver's not going to make you better um they're going to be a bad team regardless they're going to finish second their last second to last or last in the west and that's okay too like you know just i tell people this all the time just go downtown this year and just watch them have fun. Like they're going to lose a lot. It's probably going to be they're going to look fun and have fun while losing. You know, they're going to go out and watch John Morant throw lives to Jaren Jackson here, and it's going to be awesome. They're going to lose and that's going to suck, but they're going to be awesome <laughs> while they're doing it. So I also think it's a situation where you can you can kick that can down the road a little bit. You can go into next year's free agency because you're going to have roughly you know they're going to have two at least two max slots coming out next year, maybe more like seventy seventy two million uh, in free agent money next year. So you can go out and um, you know, you can go out and get one of these younger, younger restricted free agents and, and make a, a heavy offer. That um, someone like Malik Beasley, at the, you know, with Denver, they they can't they can't match that because they have Jamal Murray, who is clearly the first part. They just paid him, so he is higher on the dev chart than, than Malik Beasley. So they're not going to pay, pay him. So you go got their money like that, and, and then you have that option coming in, and then the option, you know, that 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 is solved. So you don't have to solve these problems right now all you have to do is put yourself in a position to where two or three years on the road whenever jaron and john all these guys are coming to their prime that's when you have all the players that are really good around them and you only really need two to three i mean you see a lot in the league of Kawhi and paul george you know you know they've gone away from the three and four kind of bigger teams of superstars it's really more two superstars and then role players so you know, if John Moran and Jaron Jackson are, are what they're supposed to be and they're superstars in this league and they're 24 and 25, then that's when you start to look just put – you're putting role players around those guys. and you, Or if you get someone like Malik Beasley next year and you have three really, really good guys and then you can just put role players around those guys, that's when you can look to really be good. So, no, I'm not surprised, but it also doesn't matter. You don't have to solve this stuff right away. That's, that's the beauty of rebuilding. And they clearly have a plan and they're rebuilding with a purpose and that's the, that was the problem with the front office previous they never had a plan there was never any clear direction um this front office seems to have a very clear direction and that's why i don't you know Except i'm not I, the, the tyus jones thing is not like it doesn't blow me away like it's not like something that i just go oh my gosh it's the best thing in the world but it's fine like it, it's okay and they clearly have, clearly have a plan and as long as they have a plan they they that that's okay um it's neither bad nor good. It's just a different way of what I would have done it. I'm not in charge, so it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter this year if they don't solve shooting. They can go out there and run out. Nobody, they, they, Jerry Jackson is going to be the best shooter next year, and it won't matter. They're going to lose a lot of games regardless. So you set yourself up for the future. when You can do something about it. And you don't go and just plug holes for, to plug holes. That's what the last front office did. They would go and trade two second-round picks for Justin Holiday because it, it would save the job. Don't do that for the sake of doing that. You go and you methodically select players you think will fit what you're trying to do, and you go out and get them, whether that's through free agency, whether that's through trades, however you want to do that. But that's how you build a, a team that can win basketball games.
0: So we've talked a lot about the youth and we'll get into the summer league here in just a second. We've talked about a lot about the youth movement that the Grizzlies have done, but, you know, we still do have some roster spots to figure out. And specifically, you know, you've got Solomon Hill, you've got Miles Plumley, you've got Andre Iguodala. Obviously Iguodala has been a, you know, a topic of conversation, you know, will we keep him? Will we trade him? So on and so forth. I'm on the boat as to where I think they should probably explore a trade for him. You know, I'm sure that that's what they do, but Mark, I'll pose the question to you. What likelihood do you think there is that any of those three players, uh, Heal, Plumley, or Iguodala, actually are on the Grizzlies roster at the beginning of the season? And should they prioritize any of those three players over younger prospects that they could potentially develop into solid role players um, over the next year and beyond?
1: Yeah, I don't think any of those guys make it to the roster. Um, you know, if anybody has a chance of making it, I think it's maybe Miles Plumley. I mean, he's he a guy that they're going to need a backup big, but I don't think he ever gets off the bench. Um, Andrew Iguodala. obviously, like you said, they should be exploring a trade for him. They should be exploring a trade for, for um, Solomon Hill and, and Miles Summer, like I've said on my show, but quite frankly, those guys aren't very good at basketball. That's why they've been traded a couple of times, so I don't know what they're going to get for them. Uh, most likely, those guys get waived, and no, they should not be playing any of these guys over young guys. This is the time right now when you're rebuilding. This is a time when you go out and see what you have in basketball players, because wins don't matter. All that matters is trying to figure out what you got. You, that's when you go out and roll out Josh Jackson. And you figure out what you got in Josh Jackson, because next year he has a team option. You can let Josh Jackson walk away and it's no harm, no foul, because you got him for basically nothing. So these are the times when you go out and play Grayson Allen and see what you got in a project in Grayson Allen, because he's also have a team option coming up next year. All these things matter to figuring out the long term plan. Because the sooner you know that Josh Jackson isn't good at basketball and is never gonna come around the sooner you can let him walk away, you can free up that money and move on to another player. Same thing if, if Grayson Allen, I, no, I don't think Grayson Allen's going to be bad. I think Grayson Allen's going to be great. But same thing with Grayson Allen. If you realize that Grayson Allen's going to be bad or you realize that he just can't do it, this is the time we just let him walk away. So these are the times when, when winning doesn't matter, when John Morant and Jaren's there, everybody's young, when you can go out and just make mistakes. It's all about learning. It's all about getting better. There's no reason for you to be rolling out uh, Andre Iguodala on the Grizzlies roster for any reason imaginable, at uh, any game and for any minutes. Because yeah, it's great to have a veteran presence around, but you ain't got to pay a veteran presence $17 million. You can you know, do that for a veteran minimum if you want to. Like if that's what you really want to have someone to just teach the guys how to, you know, how to be NBA players. Um, this is why you'll probably see Jay Crowder moved in the middle of the season. They'll probably use him as an asset because he's a movable asset on a good contract. That can go to a contending team and help them. He is not a long-term option for the Grizzlies.
0: So, Mark, I'll ask you this question. Then you know we talk about you know you, we we both agree you should not play these veterans. Besides Crowder, I think Crowder actually would be a solid presence. No,
1: I, I, I think Crowder is good. I mean, I think he'll play start of the season. I think he'll play well. I mean, I'm just saying, I I don't think he doesn't fit your long-term vision. So, because people, people are going to people are going to call about Crowder, and because there's going to be teams that are contending for. Playoff spots. Who can he can actually help? And he's on a good contract. Like Seven half million dollars is is easy to fit in in anybody's team, really. And so he's, he's a good player playoffs. and a good contract.
0: He's yeah. always he's, in the playoffs. So he he he's a good
1: player and a good contract, which is again I think it just be more the asset building because they don't really he doesn't just really he doesn't fit long term.
0: So, Mark, let's take away players that the Grizzlies have drafted. Let's look at the players the Grizzlies have taken on from other teams, not Jonas, uh, but and not Tyus Jones. But these players that you know have question marks around them but are still young enough to certainly be considered prospects and to develop. I'm talking D'Anthony D- Melton, Grayson Allen, Bruno Caboclo, Josh Jackson, um, uh, amongst others. Dylan Brooks, we'll even throw in there. Who do you feel right now has the best chance next year to really emerge as a significant talent, as a significant contributor, and become a significant part of the Grizzlies' futures. An unexpected guy that, you know, yeah, people are intrigued by, but he has his flaws, but next year he'll really step up in Taylor Jenkins' system. Who's the guy you could see um, doing that at this point in time?
1: You know, it's it's hard to envision uh, a big man uh, or uh, a forward doing that, but Brandon Clark is a guy who can absolutely um, run the floor. I, I said that big man, a traditional big man like Jonas, because Taylor, Taylor Jenkins is going to get up and down the floor. Someone like Brandon Clark will be probably um, – you know, he's not going to play a lot, probably. I, I don't – and it's hard to tell because the roster is so set, but I would keep an eye on Brandon Clark. He's a guy that I think will be really – you know, obviously he's seen in summer league, he's already been good, but he's a guy that will probably be good. Uh, but Dylan Brooks is a guy that you, he has to be good. Like Dylan Brooks has been this is his third year in the league. He's got to be good. This is a year for Dylan Brooks. He's either just good. He's good, or it's the same way. He's either good or he's not. And this is the year to find out. So, uh, but my money, probably my money on all of those guys is on Grayson Allen. I think he I, he's a he's a guard that can shoot. I think he can play. If they're going to get up and down the court, I think he's going to have a lot of open spots. If the game goes the way it should with Jaron. Taking a lot of the shots and there's a lot of pick and rolls with uh, with uh, John ja Morant with uh, Jaron. If he plays with those guys and is out on the court, and if he's just in the corner and he's just open because those guys are drawing, they're drawn so much, uh, you know, so many eyeballs and they're sucking the defense in so many times. Because you could have pick and, rant, pick and roll with John ja Morant and Jaron Jackson, you have a lot to you have a lot to worry about with those two guys and what they're potentially going to do. And so you get a lot of times as we saw last year. They didn't utilize it well enough with JB, but there's a lot of times that corner three is wide open because those guys just suck the defense in so much, especially Jaron Jackson Jr. So if he plays with them and if he can be consistent with his shot from three points, that's the guy I would probably look at to be a a guy that really breaks out and and know he kind of maybe got something there.
0: And that's what's so awesome about this team is that after years and years of missing out on the the ability to bring intriguing prospects in in one offseason – they've been able to bring it in. But let, let's focus on the summer league here as as we uh, wrap up this edition of the 3 and d podcast. Brandon Clark obviously has stepped out on both ends of the court. He's shown more versatility, shown awareness and intelligence. Talking, We'll get to his summer league performance in, in a minute, but does he strike you as the type of player who is a high-energy stat stuffer that you would probably play as a 20- 20 to 25-minute a night reserve, kind of like we've seen Demonis Sabonis, um, you know, Derek Favors, Montrezl Harrell, those type of players who, yeah, they may not play 35 minutes a night, but when they do play, their energy and, and, and their skill just makes such an impact. Do you see Brandon Clark filling that type of role to begin his career?
1: Yeah, no, he, he's going to, you know, he's going to just do a lot of little things. He's not going to be at center point of the, you know, center focal point of the offense. It's more you know, he's going to be, have to be more of the dream on He really just have to kind of do uh, a lot of the little things, play play defense really well. Um, so that's what Brandon Clark's going to have to do to be able to stay on the floor. Um, and it's not a given that he's going to come in and, and and play 25 minutes a night with his team. I mean, they're like we just mentioned, there are a lot of young guys that are going to get looks. And so um, it could be some nights where he plays, you know, plays less minutes because of Josh Jackson or something like that. So you know, I wouldn't pencil him in anything just because right now it's so fluid. Uh, but yeah, Brandon Clark, if he gets minutes like that, he'll he'll be a guy that just you know does a lot of little stuff, you know, and he'll have to do that to stay on the court because he won't be a center center you know focal point of the offense at all. So he'll have to really just help anchor the defense with with Jaron Jackson Jr. and I think that you know long term, you know, depending on the heights and stuff like that, I mean. I'm Long-term, he, he might get be a better fit with Jaron than than Jonas. Um, I don't think you could play Jonas and Brandon Clark together at all. I just don't think that's going to fit well. And so I think most of the time we'll probably take up with Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's, that's the other situation with the Dicks. We'll have to figure out, if well, you know, do they play, you know, Josh with, you know, Brandon or something like that uh, they could potentially do. So, um, but, yeah, Brandon, he'll have to go out a little bit and really just stay on the court. But, you know, it's a guy that, to be, to be fair, you know, he is a – first round pick in the 20s and all you want to do in in that situation is is a first round pick in the you know the 20s something like that you just want a role player that's that's your goal in the 20s in the draft you want a role player and you get that you're that's, that's a that's a win and so there aren't like tons of superstars and stars that come out of that range you know 20s and you know 30s in the draft It just doesn't really happen all that much and so if they were stars they go one or two or three so you know you just really want to role play with, with brendan clark but i think if he does all those little things he can he can carve out a role in the NBA, as we've seen so many other players do He can carve out a role and do all the things that nobody else wants to do and stay employed in this league for a long time
0: and then as and the last question that i'll ask in regards to summer league we've seen brendan clark show out but I really, was really looking forward to seeing, you know, kind of if we can get any indication, any tendencies from Taylor Jenkins. And it does seem like there are a few there. Uh, you know, we him, it, it's, Definitely speeding up the game, you know, wanting to press up the court, you know, for more possessions. But what really stood out to me is the defense. The Grizzlies' defense has played really well and cohesive at times. You know, for guys who who you wouldn't think are known for their defense, the team defense itself has been really good, and that was a focus of Jenkins surprisingly during this press conference. Is there anything that you really have taken away from the Grizzlies' summer league that you feel, hey, this is a, you know, trend or calling card of Jenkins that we'll see – Fall over into the league when we get our true roster in there and start playing real NBA games.
1: Nah, I wouldn't read into anything that he's done. I mean, it's it's a different roster when he's going to be working with different people. Um, you know, people always you know joke that do you do you have a scheme and that that dictates the roster, or do you have a roster that dictates the scheme. And so um, every coach, I guess, probably views it differently. But I wouldn't read it into much at all, other than he's going to have a completely different set of players and, quite frankly, a, lot, a set of much, much better players that can do way different things. You know, Jaron Jackson can do so many different things than what Brandon Clark can do. And John Grant can do so many different things than what any other guard on that team can do. And so um, I wouldn't read into much, if anything, other than the fact that he wants to play fast. He's already said that in his press conference. And so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like, you know, divulge and say this, this is exactly what's going to happen. Just, you know, everything's just so different. Um, the only thing I'll say about summer league is that you know, you know the guys that play like Brandon Clark, who who has been has been fantastic. Udo uh, Watanabe has been looked look, look very very good as another two guy that was good. Uh, John Contra looked good. I mean, these, summer league is designed for guys that are actual NBA players to look good. Like the thing about here's the thing about Javon Carter is that the first, the one game he played with the Grizzlies. He just didn't – he was nowhere to be seen. He just he kind of just disappeared into the game. And that's 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 more concerning to me when you – I get more concerned when you disappear in a summer league game than anything else. Because if you can't somehow find a way to dominate a game against guys who are not going to be in the league and guys who have no place being around the league, then you can't dominate a game or be impactful at all in an actual NBA game. And, yes, there are bad games and stuff like that, but, but just I'm talking about as an overall average. If you can't find a way to be effective in a summer league game against guys who are nowhere going to, most of those guys are going to be nowhere to be found in the NBA this year, and so that's more concerning about summer league than the overacting of how good that person is. I look about the other. I look at it the other way. If you're not doing that, if Brandon Clark is not doing that, then we have an issue. It was the same with Javon Carter. It uh, was the same game, with the other. I can't remember the other guy's name. The big they had last year that. Uh, that, that we've moved on from, that he looked like he was lost every every time. I don't, I don't remember now. Oh, Deontay Davis. So Deontay Davis is the same way. Like, he looked lost when he was out there. Like, you know, so those are things like you should be looking for somewhere. Those guys are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not dominating. They're not playing well against these other guys who are supposed to be inferior talent-wise to them. That's when you should be concerned.
0: This is why I love the chance to talk with Mark every time I get. He brings up great points, and and, and I agree with you completely. Um, if these guys were not showing out, uh, that would that would definitely be the concern. Mark, I always like to throw you a curveball when it comes to us being able to talk with each other, and I'll end with this tonight. Obviously, uh, me and you both are, are big soccer fans. We, we, we've we enjoyed um, seeing the U.S. featured here over the past few weeks. I think up to the point of honestly convincing myself this could be a reality, Mark King. Could the United States women's national team beat the United States men's team?
1: Oh, that's tough. You know, it's 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 a it's a different game. I don't know if it's that much different. And you know, it's not like I always say that. You know, WBA, WBA is a different game. But soccer is, you know, for for men and women, is it's pretty. It's a pretty equal playing field. I mean, it's 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 you know, there's not a whole lot that's different as far as like. You know the the aggressiveness and things like that. That would be the only I would think out there that maybe the the men are a little bit more aggressive. But I don't know. Like those those damn women are. They did it the World Cup. So I don't know. It'd be tough. I think it'd be a good game. I'd love to see it. I don't know if they could. I think that right now I be their best chance because the men are just they're all over the place. They got you know, Christian Pulisic playing on the wing. Has no business playing on the wing at all. He's, you know, he's their best. He's their best goal scorer. and They got. Old man Josie, the outer still, still trying to put away goals and he can't do it and he hasn't been able to do it for years. So you know, this would be their best chance to do it. And I I think it would be it'd be a damn good game. I think it'd be fun to see. Uh, but, you know, the, the women are certainly better. I mean they <laughs> they've won more. They they have done they have dominated US soccer for ever now and since the, the the World Cup for women was it it was ninety seven or something like that was the first tournament. I can't remember ninety one maybe? Um, And they've won four times, and they have dominated U.S. soccer. I mean, to be to be fair, the the U.S. women have been more prolific and beneficial to the U.S. soccer federation than the men have ever done. Period. So they've done more for the image and the to raise the profile for U.S. soccer than the men have ever done ever, Um, just by literally winning way more, like and winning more high-profile tournaments. So uh, to answer your question, I. I don't know. I I, I don't want to. I want to. I want to give you an answer, but I, I really don't know. I, I'd say they got to – They have a damn good shot at doing it. That, that that's for sure.
0: Well, and I mean, you know, it's funny, Christian Pulisic. He he probably is about half the women's team are probably bigger than him. All joking aside, you know. Obviously, when you look at the reality, the physicality, you know, the, the makeup, you know, uh, the, the men just being, you know, the more physical players, that would be an advantage. But I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure a youth league team. Could have taken advantage of the miscues of the U.S. team against Mexico so many times in the second half, giving the ball away. I almost threw my remote out into a wet yard. I was so mad. I was frustrated with that. But yeah, their
1: their very- coaching. That you know they hired the coach that was uh, that the brother of one of the guys is the Tucker federation Berhalter. So it's not really surprising. The guy has is not really ever won. Everyone's gone. So like, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it's frustrating because, like you mentioned that. Every time you think that the men's soccer, you know, is going to get on back on track and, and you know, and it's, there's just inex- inexplicable lineup changes. And again, playing, playing Christian Pulisic out there, making him play on the right wing when he has no business playing out there at all, it's just, it's, it's an asinine.
0: Well, for Memphis fans, I know that a lot of people will love Tim Howard. I will say that, you know, personalities such as Tim are certainly missed on, you know, what used to give the team, you know, a, a good personality, even though they weren't playing, um, to the level that a lot of people want them to. But all yeah, in all
1: shout out to Tim Howard Tim Howard was in Memphis on Saturday. He was hey, at the hey uh, he was, hey, yeah, he was I, at the one F C he was the Memphis 901 FC game on Saturday. So
0: how is not a one F C doing by the way?
1: Uh you know, it's <laughs> it's a it's an expansion team in the first year, so I'd say that uh just getting through the year is good. You know, they they haven't won a lot. Uh they showed some promise though. I think they got they got a they got a really good roster. Uh they, they Craig and Unker and those guys over there have uh, and Peter have, have built a, a really good roster uh for this team to be able to take advantage of, especially for an expansion team. Um they're 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 putting it all in to be able to win in this in this league. So um you know, it, it it's fun. It's fun to be out there. It's fun to uh to watch soccer every Saturday out there at out of the park we're able to so um the they they'll get the wins will come. You know, they they're they're still getting their their them in their own, as an expansion team in, in the first year or so the wins will come and, and, and the the roster the, the roster construction will, will you know, that will reward the fans for sure. Hopefully soon. They got a win on Saturday. Hopefully they'll follow it up with this uh, another win this Saturday.
0: Well folks, that will wrap us up here. Mark King, the the man, the myth, the legend. Hopefully here soon, smashing a guitar near you at a nine one FC game. Mark, can't, <laughs> I put
1: can't if if I'm if I'm smashing a guitar at the 901 FC game, they have seriously run out of
0: people to ask,
1: but I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it. I'm just saying they have really run out of people.
0: <laughs> always humble. Mark, hey, bud, thank you so much. As always, I will talk to you soon. Have a great night. We'll, we'll definitely catch back up with you here in the near future. All right, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, folks, for Mark King, myself, Sean Coleman. You can follow me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Follow the podcast at 3D Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us here for another edition of the 3D Podcast.